What's good, everyone? My name is Jacob Moses, and welcome to the Peep the Ten podcast, a monthly podcast where in each episode, we chat with a ten fish advocate to ramp up our ten fish knowledge, hear stories from across the supply chain, and most important, boost our never-ending love for the humble ten fish. In this episode, I chat with Matthew Scaletta, Director of Facilities and Operations at Wildfish Cannery in Klawak, Alaska. Matthew's been in the ten fish game for a bit, Flashback to the late 80s when his grandmother started Wildfish Cannery, and he'd likely find a young Matthew working the slime line, prepping the day's catch for smoking and canning. Today, following several productive years as a chef in Portland, Oregon, Matthew has returned to his hometown of Klawak to reimagine the Wildfish Cannery brand while staying true to its hyper-local, neighborly roots. In this episode, Matthew shares the history of Wildfish Cannery, and how he hopes to complement the groundwork created by his mother, enhancing the tin fish experience both near and afar. Enjoy. Matthew, what's going on, friend? How are you? I'm good. How about you, Jacob? I'm doing well. How is life in Klawak, Alaska? It's slow. Life is really slow, slow in Klawak. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're a really small town on a really actually really big island here. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's that's good. awesome. Yeah, about just under a thousand people. I read. Yeah. Give me give me a mental image of Klawak. I, I get to see your, your lovely home through this podcast, but if, if you and I are walking through Klawak, like what what am I seeing? Tell me about the place. Um you're seeing water, uh trees. Um, water. we have a nice totem park here. Um but we're really like kind of connected to nature here, I feel. You know, it's just like a little community that's kind of carved out of the the coastline, you know, here in Alaska. And it's you really get a sense of that you're really far away from anything uh, sure like yeah do i see your colleague lauren catching some fish as well yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful um i was so intrigued to read that and i think i understood this correctly cloak alaska is home to um the oldest is it uh salmon cannery or alaska's first salmon cannery is that correct yep that's amazing so there's a rich history of canning happened in Klawak. Could you tell me a little bit about, about that history? I'm so intrigued. Yeah, well, the first, um, I think the first cannery opened in 1878. Um, oh, which was a long time ago. It's kind of even hard to <laughs> conceive that we've been canning foods that long. Totally. Um, and of course, you know, that back then it was all about just, you know, it was a necessity. It was, we were so far away. Um, they needed to, you know, preserve the, the fish be able to get it get it anywhere timely sure um, i think before that they were saltaries um where they just mm. kept fish and salt it you know salt it pack it in barrels and ship it out um sure and canning kind of offered a way to you know have the final product be a little taste a little better be a little more useful um, oh i'm sure is there is that cannery still in production it is not or have there been um, some new ones since yeah so we actually don't have 
any serious canning industry here anymore, any, here at all. Um, mm. And so I mean, since then, the industry has moved more towards frozen um, frozen fish anyway. And we still have a large okay. fishery here, um, lots of boats, but most of the processing actually doesn't even happen here. Um, Got it. What about with wild fish cannery? Y- y'all are canning on site, correct? Y'all are, that's all going down in Kawak? Yeah, we're canning. Our cannery's right here. We're so small, I don't even think of us in the same you know, the same world as like the industrial fish processing. Sure. Um, sure. And so there's, there's a processor in Craig kind of up the road. Um, but Kowak doesn't have any major industry like that. Major fishing industry like that anymore. Got it. Okay. That intrigues me because later on, I do want to talk about the way in which y'all's work ties into kind of the local economy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting to hear. And we'll talk about that a little more here in a little bit. Um, let's talk about Wildfish Cannery. Y'all have been in the game since 1987, started by your grandfather. Is that correct? My grandmother. Grandmother. Lovely. What What was she observing in 1987 in Cloak that inspired her to get into the, the canned fish game? Uh, so she saw, um, she actually saw the need for the locals to have some place to process their fish. Um, mm. so back then she, we the cannery didn't hadn't even didn't even open in 87 we didn't start canning until a little bit a few years after that got um, it and so she started off just strictly smoking and freezing fish and mm. it was just a side gig it was you know the plan was to be open during the fishing season two to three months a year um, sure as a, as a need for the local community um, and you know sport fishermen mm. coming in you know to fish on vacation, uh, the local commercial fishing fleet putting up their home pack, uh, as well as, you know, just the subsistence needs of the local residents. Got it. In those early years, who were Wild Fish Cannery's customers? Were you all mostly distributing, you know, back into the mainland, or was it mostly around Alaska? What that look like? It was all, so we didn't have a product back then. It was all just... Like the fish oh, you we were just doing the, the smoking. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So the fish that we did, we didn't. We never owned any fish. We never bought any fish. It was just sure personal use fish for the community. Got it. So like you, so wow. say you came to Alaska on a fishing trip with your buds, right? Sure. Um, you go out fishing uh, after the day's day of fishing. You'd bring your catch to us, and we'd smoke it for you. Um, you take it home with you. That was that was it. Wow. Um, that whole ethos seems very much rooted in the work that Wildfish Cannery does. I was even just reading y'all's newsletter this morning. The shout out to Lauren, of course, we're in the middle of Women's Month, showing love to the the female fisherman, as Lauren described, um, happening in Klawak. It sounds like you just, from the start, always showing love to your neighbors first. And then if people are vibing with the product and the story, mm-hmm. shipping nationwide, it's fantastic. Um, so you grew up in the cannery business is that correct were were you around a lot whenever your grandmother was working oh yeah yeah so i my connection to it is you know kind of twofold so i my my dad um kind of the part of the story is my dad operated a fish a larger fish processor um like you know for export and stuff in in the 80s and it was Mm -hmm. actually at an old cannery site or old remote cannery site so if you think clock is remote the cannery site that he operated out of was there was no town or anything for hours it was just wow just a cannery um sure 
And, and by the time he took over, there was actually no canning going on. They were just freezing and exporting. Um, like they'd buy mm. fish, freeze it, ship it out. Um, okay. But I actually grew up in the old cannery buildings. It was, you know, I think built in 1915. Um, mm. It's kind of a bunch of old, worn down, like bright red warehouses on the beach. Wow. Um, and I got to explore those and play in the old, you know, plant some of the old like brine vats and canning equipment and stuff. When I How was, cool. When I was a kid. Um, and I think it was that kind of that history and that connection that inspired my grandmother to kind of get together with my dad and start the canning side of wildfish. Mm, beautiful. Um, yeah. And how did that process influence the work you've done? I understand that first you went over to Portland, got into the fine dining game, and then came back to work over at Wildfish Cannery. You know, w- walking the beaches, seeing the big brick buildings, the work that your grandmother and father were doing. Um, how did that influence, uh, you know, the, the work that you chose to pursue? Well, I, I felt like, like I had that connection to food and you kind of get that. Yeah growing up in a place like this with like the subsistence lifestyle, like you have a really rooted connection to what you eat. Um, And then the other thing, seafood processing is really hard work. Um, And so Mm -hmm. I grew grew up working, you know, with my dad and my grandma in in processing. And I think I was on the slime line at eight years old. Um, Wow. (laughs) What goes down the slime line? Uh, Fish. It's like, it's the fish coming right off the boats um, and you grab them and you take the guts out and you know, scrape the bloodline out. So wow. Kind of Much less flattering than yeah. the, the mental image of the Pike's Place Market guy just tossing the fish. Yeah. We don't really see what happens thereafter. Yep. Yeah. It's good to know. a slimy job. <laughs> sure. Um, sure. And, uh, and, you know, salmon season is this mad dash of work. You know, you, it's not uncommon for folks to pull like 48 hour shifts um and because you wow. know fish doesn't wait fish is going to go bad so you totally. get a big load of fish in um you have to you have to get it done and you don't stop until it's done um mm. same thing is true for the fishermen like they're they're running around the clock um wow. so i grew up with that you know the summer was just this crazy you know crazy dash to kind of make your whole year's income in a couple of months right goodness um, and then I realized that really set me up for the restaurant business. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Because the like, hours, the work ethic. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, after high school, after working here, you know, as a teenager, I went into, at 20, I went into start cooking and that was nothing. Um, oh, okay. And so I, I just slipped right into that, that lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I did 10 years, kind of did kitchens in Portland, worked in Chicago a little bit. Um, and then, you know, cooking is hard. Um, it kind of like chews <laughs> you up and spits you out, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, and, and I bet a part of you, because of course you were an excellent chef, but you had seen all the other facets of, you know, food production as a whole, you know, from the fishing side to the slime line. I bet despite, you know, being an excellent chef, you were, you know, anxious to get back into more of a, not, not so much maybe a managerial role, but be able to engage with, you know, all parts of the process. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to engage in food outside of the, uh, like the madness that a kitchen is. 
Um, yeah. It's easy to forget that you're, what you're doing is like nourishing people. And sure. Uh, sure. When just when you're on, when you're online <laughs> and, you know, kind of <laughs> killing yourself every night. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's good to step back and kind of, you know, think about what you're doing and like the, how important it is. Um, and then good. where we're at now, that's, you know, it's, it's harder to forget that. Um, sure. Well, let's talk about the move back to Cloudwork. Cloudwork. I, I, I YouTubed Cloudwork pronunciation before. And all YouTube videos were this like crazy robotic sound. Mm-hmm. But I think I got it. Those are, um, it's cloak. Uh, it's it's the, the sound we're reading. Okay. Um, okay. Cloak. Cloak. Yeah. Cloak. Well, tell me about the move back to Cloak and back over to Wildfish Cannery. Um, what inspired you to make that shift? Well, um, part of it, I was tired of cooking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that kind of, you know, it kind of chews you up. Um, and you know, my, my grandmother and my dad were, um, kind of running the company, you know, during those years when I was gone and basically they asked, they were kind of, you know, both at retire, both past retirement age. Um, mm. even though my dad's still here, <laughs> you know, wow. still here with me. um, both past retirement age, just kind of tired. Um, and they had outright asked, like, hey, do you want to move back and, you know, help us out? Um, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, so I did. And, uh, yeah, and then, you know, I think my time in the kitchen just really, I, I, I saw something, right? Um, I had seen, sure. you know, the popularity of the European conservas and what was going on with that. Um and how that was kind of building and I just got back here and pretty quickly I realized like I didn't come back thinking I'd grow this canned seafood brand but it took a took a little sure. bit to make the connection but I think as soon as I got back I worked a season I was like oh like yeah there's something something that U.S. canneries are missing here um, mm. yeah. were you picking up on that even whenever you were in Portland were you seeing that conservist culture starting to blossom or is it more so once you're back at wildfish cannery and seeing the potential that you, you all thought you'd maybe be a, a pioneer in that process? Um, I, I saw it starting to, you know, just kind of starting to pick up steam. Got it. Um, near kind of towards the end of my cooking career, actually. So I think that was, you know, okay. 2015, you know, we kind of saw like, you know, wine bars starting to carry conservatives on our menus, that kind of stuff. It seemed to be just kind of wow. kicking off around them, around the country. Um, I wonder if that's unique to the Pacific Northwest. Um, we interviewed Matt Caputo at Caputo's mm-hmm. for the last podcast, and he was saying the same deal. Of course, they run, you know, they have a distribution company as well. Mm-hmm. And for several years now, they've been distributing conservas to um, different wine bars, tapas bars, stuff that you mentioned. I'm based here in North Texas. Like, that's very much not going down here. Like if I'm trying to get conservas, it's getting stuff shipped from wild fish and caputos mm-hmm. or just going to the supermarket. So I hope it makes its way down south. So tell me a little bit about what's going down over at Wildfish Cannery now for folk who aren't familiar um, with the current state of operations. Can you give us just a, a high level overview of what kind of work y'all do? Well, so we're still we still stay true to our roots and so we're still we still put up fish for the local community. Um so if you mm-hmm. were in town here, you could still come down and bring us your daily catch, and we would put it in, a, smoke it, and put it in a can for you. Um, and like that's that's 
kind of who we are, that's important for us. So we don't really ever see us not not doing that for the for the community. It's you know it's an important service here. Um, sure. But you know, outside of that, um, we also you know we work with fishermen. One of the big trends in the fishing industry has been to sell their catch directly to the consumer rather than the big processors. Um, hmm. And so we work with a variety of fishermen who are, you know, instead of delivering everything to the big, the big seafood conglomerate, they're taking a chunk of their catch, bringing it to us and we value add it for them, smoke it, freeze it, put it in a can wow. or whatever. And then we give it back to them. They'll slap their brand on it and then they'll take it out and sell it to the consumer. That, that blows my mind. It's essentially like a private label canned fish yeah. for these local fishermen. Which can be very expensive for different kinds of products. I used, I used yeah. to own a little micro grocery store, mm-hmm. and whenever we considered like private label ground coffee, it would have been a huge investment. Yeah. But to have you know a local ally like Wildfish Cannery, where that's baked into your operations, I bet is huge for these fishermen. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's a great way because what's, you know, as fishing prices or fish prices just seem to kind of go go down and down <laughs> every sure. year while operational costs for fishermen go up and up. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Uh, and it, gets, it gets tough for some of these folks to, you know, to, to kind of get by. And so having the option to do direct marketing is, is great for them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about the, um, the product. Wildfish cannery sells. What kind of? I know you do a lot more than just fish, mm-hmm. um, but if we're if we're peeping the wildfish cannery site, what kind of stuff are we seeing? Uh, well, we have the gooey duck, um, which I think is the coolest story. They're they're tasty. They're delicious. Um, and that came about just kind of organically, really. Like we have a friend uh, who is a gooey duck diver, and he was talking about you know when they the gooey ducks are a live market animal and so they 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 go down there and dive dive for them you know pull them out of the sand uh, and then they're shipped live to china um but when they break one um their value drastically decreases <laughs> um so you sure. break them and they die you know they don't they don't they don't live as long once, once the shell's cracked um and so you know these guys go out there they dive and then they're they're trying really hard not to break a gooey duck but it happens um and so he was kind of, you know, it started off, he was just looking for, kind of asking, like, hey, can you just, you know, we got some of these broken gooey ducks, you know, my buyer's not going to give me anything for them. Can you just, like, smoke some for me? You know, can them up, see how they taste? I was like, sure. Um, we realized it was it was delicious. <laughs> huh. um, and from there, it just kind of, you know, kind of grew um, in that we realized, you know, we were able to offer these guys a better market for their their number two gooey duck. Um, nice. And yeah. So you got the gooey duck. I've had the octopus. Mm-hmm. Octopus was so good. Um, been thinking about it since that first bite. Um, my mother emailed me a link to um, a newer product y'all just came out with. Is it the um, sockeye salmon? Yeah. What's the latest product? That's- Beautiful. Oh my goodness. So pretty. Has it been been popular thus far? I know yeah, I just rolled it out. Wildly popular. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure. And I'm uh, sure. That, it means a lot for us to, to be able to offer that 
because that sockeye is like our that's our what we live off of here clock is a big mm. has a big sockeye stream that's like that's our local food okay. that's like if you go look you look in my freezer you look at anybody's you know pantry around town like they're gonna have sockeye interesting uh, is that because of like what's the reasoning behind that is it like availability uh, like what's what do you think is the motive for that to be such a staple in Cloak? That's what's among, uh, among the other varieties of salmon. Like the bay, you know, in July, the bay out in front of my out in front of town here is full of sockeye. Um, wow! Unless you go out out there and you know, go out there and catch them. <laughs> They're just yeah. right there. <laughs> um, How cool! Yeah. How cool! So, for people who are interested in trying some wildfish cannery product, all this process you've been describing you know the local fishermen going out catching fish bringing it to you smoking it canning it whatever like they can participate in this correct like like on your website we can just buy all the cart many of these tins and and try them wherever we're at is that right yeah, wow. yeah our, our products are just a natural wow. extension of kind of that our you know core business we've been doing for a long time um, totally we figured well huh. if you know <laughs> We figured this stuff must be good. Um, you know, we have we have these customers. Sure. Some of these folks have been coming here for twenty years, um, twenty plus years at this point. You know, having us put up their own personal fish. Um, so we figured we we're onto something um, <laughs> with with that. You totally. Know? Um, it just totally. makes sense to bring that to the. You know, yeah. Wire, wire when did you take over? When did you come back from Portland and start working at Wildfish? Two thousand fifteen. 2015. Okay. So, so fairly recent. Yeah. So, you know, flashback 30 years, my math might be off 20, yeah. 30 years, you know, your, your, your father and grandmother have laid this great foundation for a wild fish cannery. The ethos is baked in there, mm-hmm. solid supply chain. Um, what, whenever you look at your unique like skills and perspective, what did you hope to like contribute to to complement what they had worked on? I think it was the uh, my experience with you know with specialty food and kind of the, the yeah. broader food world. Um, nice. Like I I knew there was demand for this stuff and outside just the usual you know usual channels that we were working with. Sure. the The branding is beautiful. I don't know if that was like an existing marketing campaign that y'all did before your time back, but of course, like I'm rocking the cap, mm-hmm. as I said with Macaputo, like yourself like jose gourmet all these folk are making the tin canned fish experience just like very beautiful from start to finish like the branding is gorgeous um the product is great i i appreciate y'all it's been a joy so far <laughs> I, i'm glad i'm glad you're connecting with it that was a lot of the work that i did when i came on was, yeah know, i think I, we didn't have any sort of you know really brand identity or any of that stuff like nobody cared about that <laughs> Sure. Uh, it wasn't really necessary you know it was just like sure. the, you know it was all about the product you know kind of speaking for itself but when you yeah try to get stuff to a broader audience you need to have you know you need to tell the story right um sure so i work actually work with some local artists and, and that kind of stuff um to get all that done and so nice it's well you know, shout out to the local artists yeah they've done some some really beautiful work um I want to talk more about these fishermen and divers that are helping, you know, bring y'all product to eventually smoke and can. Who yeah. are these folk? I know I, I pick up the vibe that they're like long-term homies and neighbors, 
Like, is that straight up what's going down? Like, these are neighbors catching fish and going to participate in this? Yeah. I mean, these are like, these are. Wow. Lauren is a fisherman. Her dad, we've been buying fish from her dad forever. <laughs> right? Wow. <laughs> wow. Who, who is Ralph? Hello again. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, world. <laughs> So Lauren, you've been in this game for a bit. Your 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 father was catching fish, and you know you yeah. to enjoy it as well. Yeah, my dad's, dad's been commercial fishing my entire life. Um, he started out trolling. Um, so we we trolled when I was little. We've been gill netting for the last ten years, which is a drift net fishery, and we wow. started selling part of our harvest to Matthew when he came back, um, maybe like four or five years ago. Um, that's how I got hooked up with wild fish and um yeah so just just another one of the locals that has been fishing yeah. on in some way shape or form what what does that feel like to you know I feel what's so special about wild fish cannery is this like hyper local economic ecosystem that you don't really see in places these days of course with you know the rise in corporations and big chain stores I don't know if you'll have a main street in Cloak but you lose like that hyper-local neighborhood feel. Yet what you all are demonstrating is that, you know, if you're a fisherman, if you're a diver, there's a fairly low-lift way to, you know, make a little bit of guap, but also provide value to people's lives. Um, Lauren, what was that like for you in particular growing up around that? And now, you know, flash forward several years and with Matthew over here, you know, getting to play a really integral role in, you know, fostering that process. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, even even still, I've been working with wildfish now in some capacity for almost two years and spent 10 years in Portland. Also, some, somehow we all find our way to Portland and then find our way back <laughs> to Southeast. Um, but yeah, it, right now it continues to be a super cool thing to to be here where there, um, there didn't, it's not that there wasn't, but there didn't feel didn't feel like there was the same kinds of, of opportunities. Um, sure. In terms of, in terms of work, especially if you're, a, if you're a creative or you, you're interested in, in what, what opportunities are out there beyond fishing, which is a huge part of our economy. Um, so I went away to find that. And then, you know, a couple summers ago realized that uh, the thing that I was actually looking for in terms of the work I wanted to do and how I wanted to engage um, both with my job and the people that I was serving through my job. Oh my God, like wild fish is this quiet little awesome. operation tucked in, awesome. tucked in the trees and cloak down the road. And um, it was, it was almost like mind blowing to hear from Matthew, the kind of growth that the business was experiencing and the kind of reach that we were having. Um, you know, at the time I was so familiar with the, the custom processing that the business had done for decades up until that point, but um, I wasn't aware of, uh, of how the business was growing. Um, sure. So it was really cool to be able to say, I think I'm going to be here full time because there's, <laughs> there's an opportunity to, to do really good work and the kind of work that you just don't think happens in small towns in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a really great model for small towns, the work that you all have done. Like, yeah, it's great to, you know, maybe graduate university, 
try out some of the larger metro areas, acquire some new skills and perspectives, but be able to come back home and like show some love to the place that you grew up and apply those unique things to boost the economy is, is very, very special. Um, I'm excited to continue to, to brag about y'all to economic development folk as well, because you, you contrast it to, you know, we, we read all the time about, you know, the one major employer left and now there's like rampant unemployment. Like contrast that to Wildfish Cannery, you know, you guys are a bunch of neighbors. You have a great sense of place attachment to Kloak. You're not just going to like up and leave one day if sales go down, you know, a few percentage points, like you're committed to place. So I think it's just a much more, you know, resilient approach as well. Like I, I, Wildfish Cannery is going to be in the game for a bit, you know, help a whole new slew of fishermen and divers, you know, provide their product. It's it's really incredible. I commend y'all. The uh, the story of like the economic situation in the Southeast is like, you got to talk about like our history and sure. we've always been about resource extraction and just taking as much as possible and shipping it out, getting it out of here as quickly as possible. And that's true mm. with fish, true with logs, anything, you know, mining, anything we did here was, you know, nothing was made or actually done here. Um, Interesting. And I, I like to think that we're trying to, you know, I like to think that's changing and I like to think that we're kind of at the forefront of changing that and that we're actually, everything we do, we do here. Like we do all our canning is done here. You know, we try to keep the jobs on Prince of Wales and Kloak. Um, totally. Totally. It, it, it's unfortunate that we don't look like inwards when it comes to economic development more. Like we're so quickly to like look out and say, okay, who can we like incentivize to maybe move to Kloak or who can be a, another recipient of our exports. But y'all were like, nah, like what's the existing talent here? Do we have a shared vision? Can we complement each other to have this shared goal? And as Lauren alluded, it, it seems to have worked out very well. Um, let's talk about the future. You know, what's in, what's in the pipeline? I know we got sockeye salmon. What else is going down? Anything exciting coming up? We have all kinds of awesome ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where we're sure. we under trouble is, you know, our production facility is small. <laughs> mm. um, but stuff that we've been talking about um, is uh, smoke can black cod. Wow. Um, is, you know, on the back burner. It's in the works there. Um, we're wanting to do a run of uh, sea cucumbers. Um, and that, that's been something I wanted to do forever. I never thought... Anybody would like. I've, I love sea cucumber, and I've, I've smoked and I've canned some for myself. I've never thought anybody would ever buy one because it's it's kind of weird and it's uh, they're they're expensive. Um, you know, it's like a really labor intensive thing. But I realize, like looking at some of the stuff that's coming out of Spain, it's like, oh, actually, like there's probably a market for a can of sea cucumbers. Like you know, people hmm. think that. So we're hoping to do that this year. Um, nice. The thing, I mean, the immediate pipeline is we're doing a, a kind of a, a, a new version or a variation on our octopus. And so we're going to be doing a can of octopus that's not smoked. And it's actually going to be packed in a, in a kelp hot sauce. Ooh, man. And we're hoping to that roll that out. That sounds so nice. Yeah. That sounds so nice. Probably endless variations. I imagine if you guys are like standing before a, 
you know, a 10 by 10 foot whiteboard. That might be too tall. You need a ladder for that. But a very large horizontal space. Mm-hmm. You can probably think of all kinds of crazy combinations coming to you. Mm-hmm. I bet. That's yeah, we're amazing. trying to use what we have here. That's, you know, there's then there's lots of great seafood here. So Beautiful. Well, Matthew, for listeners, if folk are intrigued by your story and want to try some wild fish cannery product, what do you recommend? What are some good, maybe a good thing to start off with? And then if you're feeling a little rambunctious, something adventurous to try out as well. I think the sockeye is actually, even though it's brand new, I think that's a great starting point because that's probably the, the product that's truest to who we are. Okay. Uh, and there's the coho too. That's, you know, that's, that product kind of has a, that feels like really rooted in our, in our place. You know, we also have a robust coho fishery here. Um, and that's probably what we process the most of too for, you know, for commercial fishermen and locals is coho salmon. Got it. Coho salmon. Yeah. And if people are feeling adventurous, you got to go for the gooey duck. Um, there's no, that's no question. Gooey duck. Gooey duck. Noted. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, listeners, if you're curious, we'll include um, links to those three products in the show notes below. Um, Matthew, if people want to connect with you, learn more about what's going down at Wildfish Cannery, um, where do you recommend people follow you all online? Instagram. We try to give a good view into kind of daily cannery life. You know, it's not interesting yeah. to me out there. <laughs> yeah. And people can see the highly discussed gooey duck too. Yeah. On Instagram. You'll stop hearing just our, our little laughter around it. You can see it for yourself and then taste it as well at Wildfish Cannery. Beautiful. Matthew, thank you. Lauren, thank you. If you're still thank kicking you. it. Thank you. Um, this has been so much fun, y'all. It was great chatting. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. See y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Matthew Scaletta of Wildfish Cannery and If you are vibing with the podcast, consider subscribing on iTunes. Just look up Peep the Ten. And in the meantime, I have some exciting news. Starting next month, April, Peep the Ten will have a co-host that I'm so excited to welcome on the team to help us further discuss all the beauty of Ten Fish. So stay tuned, and we'll talk next month. See ya.